edition of Back to Basics with guest pastor Char Broderson. Be the change that you want to see in the church. That should be the way that we are thinking. Don't be an outsider critic. Be an insider critic. Be a part of the health and growth of the body of Christ. Now, if we have some inclination or feel a leading of God's spirit in some gifting or ministry, then I would just encourage you to discover it through trial and error. Step into that and do what you believe God is calling you to do. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Char Broderson continues our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Char concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, in a message titled, The Spirit-Filled Church. And now, here's Pastor Char. And then, of course, the category of serving covers all those deeds one Christian does for another, whether that's administration, care for the poor and sick, and similar acts that express God's love and mercy in concrete form. Now, some of these gifts are very obvious, while others are a bit more nuanced and sensational. So these are all the possibilities of how God has gifted his church and the ways that he is calling us to bring these gifts to bear upon the work, to contribute to the work that God desires to do. But then there's this other part that Paul mentions here, and that is of sensational manifestations. And as I read through 1 Corinthians 12, this seems to me to be ways in which the Spirit of God speaks and works through individual Christians, specifically when God's people are gathered together. They're not necessarily gifts, but more manifestations or eruptions of the Spirit. And the reason I say that is because I think Paul's emphasis is that these are possible for all Christians at any time. The Spirit of God, though you might have a gift, though you might have a ministry, right? The Spirit of God might just come upon you and prompt you. He just wants to use you as a channel of his grace, as a vessel for ministry and for service. Paul says all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I believe that this should give us an expectation and excitement for what the Spirit might do in us and through us when we gather together. So I would just like to take a moment to just kind of envision what the gathering of God's people would look like within every member ministry. You guys good with that? So I believe in order to help us live that out, we have to actually think of our Sunday gatherings in terms of participation. I've been saying that again and again. But like participation in, in a theatrical play, the audience, if you will, is not the congregation gathered. I'm not the performer. You're not the audience. But actually, the living God seated on his throne of glory with innumerable angels, and the saints who have gone before us are actually the audience. The congregation, instead, 
are the performers. Each of us has a costume to wear, being clothed with the Spirit of God. Each of us have lines to speak, words of encouragement, exhortation, and comfort, words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy to build one another up in love. Remember how Paul says that, speaking the truth in love, we might build one another up. Singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts, he says later in Ephesians. So we come dressed. We come with our lines prepared in order for the full production to take place. Our costumes, as I said, the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus that each of us are to be clothed with. We then, our lines are like, you know, us preparing, coming to service, whether that's when we rise in the morning or it's on our way to the gathering. It's just simply saying this, Lord, speak to me, speak through me. Lord, make me a channel and a minister of your grace. So we reflect then on our daily practices. You know, we like get ready for the show, get ready for the production, come prepared, right? So how do we do that? We're reflecting on our daily practices, our heart motives, our mindset. We confess and repent. We're preparing to meet with God's people. We rehearse our lines and come prepared to play our part. Holy Spirit, use me to bring encouragement and help to others through exhortation, encouragement, comfort, correction, love, or even affirmation. So we come prepared because we expect to meet with God. We expect to have an encounter with the living God and with God's spirit-filled people. And to join God in this work of building his church to be a sign of his kingdom and of the new creation, a light and witness to the world. I think many times in our gathering, our expectations are too low. We come to church and we really aren't expecting to meet with God. Maybe God's people, maybe God's word, but God himself. But the church is called in Scripture the temple of the living God. We're living stones that are being assembled together in order to be inhabited by God's Spirit. Did you know that in ancient times, temples were not just seen as buildings where people would sacrifice? They were actually considered portals, places on earth where heaven and earth coincided, where heaven and earth touched where the human and the divine would come together and meet in communion. This is the same thing that is envisioned in the New Testament, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together, God's spirit, God's presence inhabits the temple. We meet with the living God. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews talks about this. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire in darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words may they hear as beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So the writer of Hebrews wants to juxtapose 
the old covenant with the new covenant. Listen to what he says about the new covenant. Normally we read this and we're like, oh, phew, it's safer in Jesus. Not quite. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels in festal clothing, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking." Now, I read this passage in Hebrews, not because there's like apples to apples, but listen to what he's saying here. The church has been brought not to Mount Zion, not just to a stone temple. We have been brought into the very presence of the living God. When the church gathers together, heaven and earth collide. God's spirit touches down the human and the divine in holy communion. Is that the way we think about the gathering of God's people? Annie Dillard, she went to a gathering of Christians one time, and she was appalled by what she saw. Listen to this. On the whole, I do not find Christians outside of the catacombs sufficiently sensible of conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares, and they should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Oh, Spirit of God, fall on us. Meet with us. That's what worship is. It is an encounter with the living God. Tim Dearborn says this, worship is a dramatic encounter with the power of God rather than a passive and comforting moment of education and encouragement. So church, when we come together, we should be prepared and expectant to encounter this living God, trusting that our God is going to be present to work, to build, to speak, to heal, to bind up, to save, to convict, to rebuke, to comfort And he's going to use us to do that work. Remember, God is all about holy participation. He invites human being, God only knows why. In his grace and his mercy, in his unfailing love for humans, he invites us into his work. His work of building up his church, his work of reaching the nations his work of restoration, his work of comfort in your life and in your life and in my life. He uses us. He invites us to participate. Are we taking that seriously? 
Now, how then do we discover the Spirit's gifting and ministry in order to participate in this work? So, Char, I hear what you're saying. I'm convicted. I want to work. I want to build something great. How do I do that? I believe the way that we need to do this is maybe a little bit different than what you've heard before. So how many of you guys have ever taken like a spiritual giftings test? Anybody ever done that? How'd that go? Like, I want them all. I don't know. I like them all, right? It's like sometimes when you do the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, you're like, I still don't know who I am, (laughs) you know? I'm more confused. I didn't even know there were that many options, right? I really, truly believe that the first step is we need to ask, what are the needs of the community that God has called me into? What and who needs to be built up? Where are the vacuums? Where are the hurts? Where is the brokenness? Where is the need? Remember, as I said, our individual gifting in ministry or manifestation of the Spirit are not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the whole. We ask the wrong question when we approach spiritual gifts. We say, what is my spiritual gift? We should be asking, why is my spiritual gift? For the upbuilding and maturity and growth of the body of Christ. Once we get that right, then we can actually look at the body of Christ and say, what is lacking Where is their need? And then we say, here am I, Lord, send me, use me, right? That's how this should work. Dr. Russell Moore says this. He says, in too many of our congregations, spiritual gifts are seen through this hyper-individualistic grid. We tell our people how to unwrap their gifts, to take a personality profile to find out what their gift is. We say, every member is a minister, But what we often mean is every member should serve on a committee. He says the gifts of the New Testament, though, function as part of a home economy. As the household is built up through the various parts thereof. In the New Testament, we do not find our gift through self-examination and introspection and then find ways to express it. Instead, we love one another serve one another, help one another. And in so doing, we see how God has equipped us to do so. This is why Paul always speaks of spiritual gifts in terms of the whole body of order and of the primacy of love. So how do I discover my spiritual gift? Get involved in the community life of this church and you will discover how God has gifted you as you interact with one another and find out the various needs and lack in this community. And as you do, I think you'll also find that your needs, your lack are met because this is how the body works. There's a classic story. Classic, it's my life. I don't know how classic it is actually. Um, I was here 20 years ago almost, something like that, and I served as an intern pastor for a short season. And back in those days, you know, we, had, we wore suits. We were down here at the front at the very end of service just to meet and pray and give counsel, similar to what we do even to this day. But I'll never forget. I went into my dad's office between services, and he said, aren't you supposed to be up front? I said, yeah, I'm supposed to be up front, but I'm just, I'm just empty. 
And I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. You know, I've been meeting with other people. I've been doing all the things you're supposed to do. Like, I'm the living Acts 242. He's like, I just, I'm just empty. And he said to me, oh, be quiet, you big baby. Go out there, serve people, and you will discover that God's spirit is with you. I was like, oh, yeah, right. So here's what I did. I walked down to the front, stood there. I think I was folding my arms or something like that. And this sweet woman came up to me and started, I mean, she was, I think I was 18 at the time, and she was in her 70s. And she started just pouring out her heart to me, telling me what was going on. And I'm not making this up. It was like everything I had been reading, everything I had been working through came alive. And I was able to offer it as a ministry, as a service to her. This is how the Spirit of God works and uses us. It isn't just that we get filled up and 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 filled up. up. We need outlet. We need to be poured out. And there are many opportunities. There are many needs. There are many who are hurting. And so as we fellowship with one another, as we interact with one another and are in proximity to one another, listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to what your brothers and sisters are telling you and minister out of that. The Spirit of God will meet you. And as you do this, I would also add to this, you can ask yourself things like this, well, what am I inclined towards? What am I passionate about? What are others affirming in me? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you and lead you into opportunities to discover your gift or pray for a specific gift. If you see a lack in the body of Christ, I would exhort you, pray then to have that gift, to pour into that lack or to pour into that need. Paul says that we can desire other gifts and should ask for them. If we see the body of Christ lacking or handicapped in some way, then we can say, Lord, can I be a minister? Can I be a service? Can I be part of healing? Be the change that you want to see in the church. That should be the way that we are thinking. Don't be an outsider critic. Be an insider critic. Be a part of the health and growth of the body of Christ. Now, if we have some inclination or feel a leading of God's spirit in some gifting or ministry, then I would just encourage you, discover it through trial and error. Step into that and do what you believe God is calling you to do and you'll see what fruit comes from it. As I said, gifts are discovered in service to God and others. It's in humble service to others that we discover the gifts that we have and the greater gifts that we might need. Last thing I'll say, in exploring what God has for us, we need to avoid the danger of becoming consumed with the means or manifestation of the spiritual gift. Said this earlier, what spiritual gift is not the question. If we do that, we'll lose sight of the end goal of serving one another. Why the spiritual gifts? We'll lose sight of putting the life of Jesus on display and continuing God's mission in the world. So seek the end. Seek to love one another. 
Seek to put the life of Jesus on display. Seek to glorify God. And you will find your spiritual gifts. And our church community here will grow in wholeness and in health. In fruit and availability to the good things that God wants to do in our community. So the variety of gifts, services, and workings are manifestations of the Spirit in the life of Jesus' followers. So we can worship God, love and serve his people, and fulfill our mission of making disciples of all nations. It's so we might do God's work with God's power. That is liturgical work. Work that is done by us for the benefit of all. And let me just speak a word of encouragement and hope into this gathering here. I believe there are ministries, visions, empowerings and gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues and gifts of faith, discernment. I believe there is more churches to be planted, missionaries to be raised up. Evangelism, gospel proclamation to go out, healings and blessings, prophecy, and the list goes on. Powerful manifestations of God's power and presence among his people. I believe God has all of that in the future of Calvary Costa Mesa. Brian and I said it a couple months ago, we do believe that God has good for us, and we are determined to seek that out. But I believe that only will happen as we as individuals open ourselves up to God, saying, use me, Lord. Animate the whole body, Lord. Speak through me, Lord, in order to build up and strengthen the body. As we come together with preparation and expectation, creating space in our hearts and in our gatherings together for the Spirit to speak and move through us. And so let's do that even now. And I encourage you to take this time to open your heart, open up your life to the searching of God's Spirit. Have I just been riding on the bus, drowsy, not involved in the building of God's church and building of the kingdom of God. Spirit of God, awaken my soul. To be a participant, to be a fellow builder and a labor in the kingdom of God. Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry and One we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version 
answering 50 of the top objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide. Or that the Bible condoned slavery. So these are real issues in our society today. And Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things. And it's great. Yep. So... Great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights as Pastor Brian resumes our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.